Hello everybody on Facebook and podcast. We're so glad to see you today. We're coming back to you with part five of our understanding of the book of Acts chapter two. And we're addressing some inaccurate understanding of the message of the Holy Spirit. We want to welcome all of our podcast friends from around the world who download with us and study along with us. And we want to welcome those that are joining us. And I always uh, overlook this to some extent. Our Lift Him Higher radio friends who are also uh, using our podcast uh, on their worldwide radio station. We're glad to have you from wherever you're listening. I uh, want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com ffcma.org or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Uh, Then I want to remind you about my book, uh, I Surrender. Uh, It's available on Amazon and in your local bookstores. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get right to the Scripture. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says. Then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us now through the Holy Spirit and show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it and release it to your people and we'll all be corrected, changed, and uplifted, most of all made into the image of yourself. We give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Go back with me to John fourteen seventeen. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now notice this. The world could not see the operation of the Holy Spirit. So to say that they were able to partake of the message of what was going on in the inner court, well, it can't be done by the world. So that's in error teaching concerning the Holy Spirit to say that they were hearing the words that were spoken within the inner court. Um, When Jesus plainly says that the world can't see him or know him. So we must rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, Any message that could be heard would have been unaccessible by those who were not in the inner court. That's scripture. But those inside knew uh, him because they were seeing the glory of God and singing glory to God. They took the Holy Spirit into themselves to dwell with them and to be in them. Paul addresses this issue in his teaching on the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 14.22. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, what's Paul saying? Paul's saying that the, t- the, sign, the tongue is a sign to them, not because they will understand it, but because that will make them realize and recognize the presence and the power of God. So this issue that happened on the day of Pentecost and what access those who were in Jerusalem had to the messaging is again cleared up for us by Paul. Tongues is a sign to them. 
they would have had no access to the message that was given in tongues. They knew that something was happening. What they were privileged to was the sound of the wings that spoke to them as they heard in their natural ear that there in fact was a wonderful work of God that was transpiring in Jerusalem. What was spoken in the upper room that gave evidence to the fact that he came. <coughs> Excuse me, they were speaking in tongues, of course. We know that this is why tongues are the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And even in Pentecostal realms, there have been those who have wanted to debate the initial evidence. And there have been those who have said that they have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that did not uh, operate in the initial evidence. We had a man come into our church one time and begin to dissect our, our beliefs and our, our written doctrine. And he said, I differ with you on the, this particular incident. Uh, with regard to speaking in tongues as the initial evidence. He said, I've operated in the gifts of the Spirit in many a... No, no, you haven't. You've operated in your natural ability, in your natural understanding, and you've put two and two together and come up with an answer and given credit to the Holy Ghost. The idea is that when the Spirit of God comes to dwell and abide with you and in you. There's going to be an evidence of the infilling of the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father, according to Ephesians chapter 1, is going to have a sealing effect, S-E-A-L, a seal effect that's going to be placed upon your life. So, we know that tongues are the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the sound that they heard uh, were though by those who could not see nor know him uh, was transpiring, was not, not transpiring from those that were the 120 in the upper room. It says that the sound of the cherubim's wings, which was the voice of Almighty God, when he speaks. That's how Ezekiel 10 identifies it. What a picture this is. When he speaks, when God speaks, when the cherubim speak, everyone hears his voice. Kinds of tongues are no longer relevant then. The tongues of all the nations that gathered at the east gate in Jerusalem on this great day when they heard this mighty sound that came down as a mighty rushing wind. Well, the, the tongue here is irrelevant because this is the eternal creator God that's ministers, that speakers are resonating. The wonderful works of God have arrived into the earth and the cherubim did that. This is nothing new. Those in the room being filled with the Holy Spirit spoke because something was placed upon them from the man in the cherubim. That became evident to those in the room just as Luke recorded in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Here's what he said. And they were all filled with the Holy, Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How would they know? because they were filled with the glory of the Lord. But what was the means of knowing that they were filled with the glory of the Lord? It was that they spoke in tongues. Where did the tongues come from? 
They came from the cloven tongues of fire. Their tongue was now divided and full of fire. So what does that mean? They had a divine ability that would make them speak from a divine perspective as they were used by the Holy Spirit who would speak through them. Who was speaking through them as they were filled? Well, the Bible is very clear. It's Jesus Christ himself who would speak to them through the Holy Spirit. He said so in John 16. They would speak to the world based upon what the Holy Spirit had told them from the mouth of Jesus. Now, this is very important. If we were to dissect Peter's message, what would we be understanding and hearing from Peter's message? Well, we would be understanding the other part of the cloven tongue. We would be hearing what the Holy Spirit said through them in the upper room. Peter brought the message forward as he preached. It was so that everyone who heard him could know what he was saying. How do we know that? Because it was understood so clearly that the 30,000 people came and were baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sin and were filled with the Spirit. Now let me go back real quick to what I told you concerning Paul's teaching on this. Paul said, tongues are for a sign. Not to them that believe. What was the sign? The sign was the wonderful works of God that they heard from the cherubim. Now, Paul then says, But prophesying serveth not for them that believeth not, but for them that believe. Now Paul is saying he's bringing forth a prophecy that is going to bring forth those who are going to believe. So uh, certainly we are seeing this messaging that those in the outer court could not know because they didn't see him or know him. And those in the inner court who were experiencing the glory of the God, of God were being <coughs> brought out of themselves, excuse me, being brought out of themselves, uh, the words of Jesus Christ. And then Peter begins to preach that message on the day of Pentecost. And what a beautiful message it is because it outlines the ex express plan of salvation from A to Z and tells us how that all of this identifies with this factor. Jesus Christ was a man approved of God. And the thing that they heard was the approval of him being received back into the right hand of majesty and the promise of the Father being given. Now, let's look at this. And it came to pass that when he had commanded the man, this is from uh, uh, Ezekiel 10 and 6, clothed with linen, saying, Take fire from between the wheels and from between the cherubs. Then he went in and stood beside the wheels. And one cherub stretched forth his hand from beneath the cherubims unto the fire that was between the cherubims, and took thereof and put it in the hands of him that was clothed with linen, who took it and went out. And there appeared in the cherubims the form of a man's hand under the wings." The man dressed in linen, of course, who had the inkhorn, took the coals of fire and went out. He was going into the house to do what Luke described in Acts chapter 2. He was to distribute the coals to those inside the house. And he did this because he was told to do it. Now watch what comes next because this is very important. In verse 15, 
and cherub, the cherubs were lifted up. Now, do you remember Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The cherubs, now watch this, the cherubs were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Shebar. And when the cherubs went, wheels went by them, and when the cherubs were lifted up, their wings to mount up from the earth, the same wheels also turned not from beside them. And when they stood, they stood, and they were lifted up. These lifted up themselves also, for the spirit of the living creature was in them. The glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold and the house and stood over the cherubs. The glory of the Lord. Four times we're looking at this term, lifted up, lifted up, lifted up. Notice how many times this phrase is used. Could this coordinate with what Jesus said in John twelve thirty two? And when I've quoted to you, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Was this the reference to what would transpire after the provision of the Holy Spirit? Why do I say this? Because prior to the book of Acts, everything that was done was done solely with the Jew in mind. But in John 12, 32, he clearly says that I will draw all, all men unto me. There are two types of people that fit that description. They're the Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus clearly indicates to the woman who came to see uh, him concerning her daughter that she was not the one to whom he was sent at the time. She came and asked for his help. However, he did accommodate her in her request uh, uh, as recorded in Matthew 15. He also healed the centurion's servant in Matthew 8. But they knew and he knew that his ministry was sent to the Jews. But the ministry to the Gentiles was coming. Now what do we see happening in the upper room? Look at verse 18 of Ezekiel 10. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. The glory of the Lord which had come and sat upon them departed from the house. It had not taken with him what was left in them. It had left in them the utterance of tongues, the glory of which he had applied to them was left with them. When he did, he stood over the cherubims. This is what was happening in the house that produced the tongues that were spoken in the house. Now, how do we know that what he, what he sent, he didn't take out? The glory of the Lord sent, left, and then that glory rose, well, because we see throughout the book of Acts that many and five other times people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The sound that was heard in the east gate that caught the ear of the hearers was the sound of the wings of the cherubim. And look again. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. And when they went out, the wings were also beside them, and everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. Now watch this. And the glory of the God of Israel was over them above. The cherubim lifted up from the earth, and they watched from the east gate as the glory of the Lord was above them. Where had that glory been? It had been in the room with 120. It was sitting on them, and that glory produced a tongue of fire. 
What had the cherubim been doing? They were waiting by the house, and as their wings fluttered in their holding pattern, it sounded to the hearers as if they were saying the wonderful works of God. Now it would be outrageous for us to think that 120 voices over the sound of what is described by Luke as a sound of a mighty rushing wind could speak loud enough to be heard over the sound of that mighty rushing wind. But now we know what was heard. We know how it happened. We know when it happened. We also know exactly what happened on that day. It certainly is not as we have tried to teach and as we have tried to make the Holy Ghost ineffective. The general teaching concerning the error that is going on in our church today concerning the misunderstanding, the misrepresenting, the misidentification, and the absolute foolishness that is being told to discredit the work of God that the cherubim stood over Israel and said you are being infused with a wonderful work. But yet our church in their intellect wants to discredit. Now watch it now. Not the work of the Holy Ghost only. Not the work of Jesus Christ and his own personal teaching, but the very work of God. We are reading a Bible and discrediting the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and calling ourselves Christians. We are discrediting the very teaching that has been brought forth by the God, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we think we're doing God a favor. Come on, folks. What they say, come on, man. Think about what we're doing and what we're teaching when we are setting the very teaching of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost off to the side and saying, no, that's, that's no more. No, that couldn't have happened that way. No, if it had happened, then we all would be able to speak in languages of Russian and Japanese and all the other foolishness. No, 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 we, we would all have that. I had a man stand up in my church the other day and talk in a foreign language, not a language I understood. So we have discredited not only the work of the Holy Ghost, but the work of the, the teaching of Jesus Christ and the direct work of the Father. What a sad story that we're telling on ourselves concerning the church. Why? We want to make ourselves intellectually right. We want to make ourselves more acceptable to the general public. We want to make ourselves seen to be progressive in our thought patterns. And what we are doing is we have created another gospel. That's what we've done. We've created another gospel. In creating that gospel, we have lessened and diminished the child of God as we face darkness. I said the other day, and I'll say it again, the light is growing dimmer and dimmer, and the world is becoming more dark. 
And as it becomes dim and our eyes squint a little bit, our eyes adjust to the dimness and we think dimness is normal. What a sad, what a tragic event. Now, if it's not all contained in this story shared in Acts chapter 2, then it's possible that the ones who eliminated and abandoned the operation of the Holy Spirit are in fact absolutely wrong. Regardless of which side you choose, you are betting your spiritual life on the side that you choose. So you abandon the teaching of the Holy Ghost. You abandon the teaching of Jesus Christ. And you abandon the work of the Father. You abandon those. You are betting your spiritual life on what you intellectually have determined to assume is correct because someone somewhere told you it was. Well, there is someone right here showing you truth about the Holy Ghost, truth about prophecy, truth about how God aligned it in his word in Ezekiel, Joel, and then throughout the entire book of Acts. You are risking your entire spiritual future by maintaining the foolishness of doctrines that are in direct opposition to the three elements, the three people rather, that the word of God is, is built on and is their central theme. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Think about that. Think about that. You are risking and betting that a man's take is correct. Then you say, well, now, Pastor, what if your take is incorrect? Well, let me tell you what I'll say to that. If my take is incorrect, I have honored the Father, I have honored the Son, and I have honored the Holy Ghost. So if my take is incorrect, I have not brought dishonor to any of them. But if my take is correct, then I have brought honor to them, and I have preached truth and been a true servant of the Word of God. Now you take that and parallel it with those who are teaching you of the succession, the secession, the ending of the Holy Ghost. And ask this question. Are they honoring the Word of God by what they teach? Are they honoring the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by what they teach? Those are good questions. Or are they dishonoring the teachings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My friend, your life depends on it. A misstep here determines exactly who you are and exactly who you will become. Now watch my next words. In the economy of eternal things. I said in the economy of eternal things. Because we can grieve the Holy Spirit and what will happen? He will back away. Now, if the Holy Spirit backs away from you, my friend, then what happens? Darkness begins to attack. What has happened in our world? We are under the oppression of anxiety. We are under depression. We are under discouragement. We are under all 
of the negative effects of what darkness has encroached upon our world. Why? Because we have determined that dishonoring the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was our best spiritual avenue. Sad, friends. Sad. And we are watching our families be destroyed, our culture be destroyed, our world be destroyed, our country be destroyed. And we don't understand why. Where is God? He is in the same place he was in Luke chapter 2. He is still on the throne. And Jesus Christ, the man in the Godhead, is still seated at the right hand of majesty. And the Holy Ghost is still functioning in the glory of the Lord. As I shared with you, when Jesus said, that in John 14, that the glory of the Lord, he would give him their glory in John 16, I believe it was. And then down below that, he said to them that they would share with me the glory that I had from the foundation of the world. He is still operating in both of those glories. But we, we want to operate in an intellectual doctrine that takes us into places where we cannot worship. Now, by the way, you don't want to miss my Sunday morning message. It's coming Sunday morning because we're going to talk about the tools that build worship. And in the tools that build worship, you're going to see that many people have gone into places where the tools of worship cannot, will not, absolutely are determined not to be used. Now we're seeing some of the reason why. Don't want to miss that this coming morning. These are eternal decisions, my friend. Look at verse 20 of Ezekiel chapter 10. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river Shebar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. Everyone had four faces, and that's a whole other study in and of itself. And everyone four wings, and the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. And the likeness of their faces was the same faces which I saw by the river Shebar, their appearances and themselves, and they went everyone straight forward. Now could this be exactly what Jesus mentioned? Now I want to show you this. Jesus was lifted on the cross for all mankind to be the avenue for forgiveness and healing. All the works that were associated with the cross from the tomb to the grave. Then Jesus was lifted to be the high priest over his own sacrifice. Therein, he sanctified you and called you a brother if you followed him there. Then Jesus was lifted, ascended into glory, they saw him go away. They said, this same Jesus will return just as you saw him. And he went, and when he got there, Peter tells us that he sent the promise of the Father. And there, the promise of the Father came down. But in this case, there was another lifting. As they saw the glory of the Lord above the cherubim and die, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. We see him lifted four times. We can't deny it. It's in the scripture. We know that there is going to be a fifth time when the trump sounds 
and we see him in the air and we'll be lifted to be with him. But on the first four times, everything that he has done is for the purpose of drawing all men unto him. What a God we serve. So what is Ezekiel saying? He's saying the people from Jerusalem are gathered looking into the sky to see the glory of the Lord who was hovering over them. So we now can see from Ezekiel's writing exactly what they saw, what they heard, and most importantly, who it was that they were hearing speaking. It was the cherubim, as I've said, who was identifying the wonderful works of God. Now we know why this voice to each ear was universal. It was the voice of worship as the cherubims carried the God of Israel who was positioned above the cherubim. Now what we must do is determine if that voice was the voice of Jesus Christ as he has been placed back into his position as the man in the Godhead bodily. Now, in fact, that voice has to be Jesus Christ. But the Ezekiel could not refer to him as such because at this time he was still to them only a prophecy. To them, because Jesus is the man in the Godhead bodily. He has always been the speaker from Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Ghost has always been the doer. To them, this was Israel's God, Jehovah of whom they had heard, known, and given him names that related to his great accomplishments on their behalf. But we know that Jesus was, before Abraham, a member of the Godhead from the beginning. I just told you that when he said, you'll experience, you'll be with me and experience the glory that I had from the foundation of the world. But for Israel, the Godhead as designed, for them was Jehovah, and Jehovah was working in its fullness, each member operating in his office. So who is the speaker? As I mentioned, from Genesis 1, he is the Son of God. He is Jesus Christ, the man of the Godhead bodily. Who is the doer? He is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, having returned to his position, is the speaker from atop the cherubim. And through the worship of him, of whom they cry, Holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. They are speaking from his direction. Who is the doer of the Holy Ghost? The understanding of this was revealed in Acts chapter 2 as Jesus Christ is credited with being the one who sent the promise of the Father because he had returned to his position as the man in the Godhead bodily and he was seated at the right hand of majesty. But why would they not recognize him as the one speaking? My friend, they didn't have, uh, they didn't acknowledge Jesus Christ. They didn't. But then when Peter began to speak the message on the day of Pentecost, it was there that he would force Israel to deal with what they had done to Jesus as well as what had been done in their hearing. 3,000 heard the truth and were saved. Oh my God, if people would just hear the truth, the truth would make them free. 
It wouldn't set them free. Being set free means you can be recaptured and caged again. You can be brought back into captivity. Being made free means that there has been a force that has been applied that has totally reconfigured everything. We are made free by what Jesus Christ has done for us and we, we don't want to be made free. We want to be set free. Why? So that we can rely on grace? You need to listen to my message on the truth concerning for God so loves the world because you're going to find out grace is a wonderful application if used correctly. But grace will always be measured by truth. It will be weighed by the justice of God. So there is grace that is applied. When it is weighed by the justice of God, it will be identified as being accurately applied. Because justice cannot deny. Truth cannot deny what God has set in motion. So here we are, my friends. 3,000 people came to know Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus in order to express the acceptance of the man who God had approved. I'm done, but I want to ask you a question. Are you a man, woman, boy, or girl who is disapproving of the very man God approved of? Because in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was God saying, I approve. I approve of everything he's done. I approve of everything he's taught. I approve of everything he gave you. I approve of every promise he promised you. And now I am sending the capstone, a sealing of the promise of the Father. Are you disapproving? Is your denomination disapproving of the very man and the very acts that God has placed his stamp of approval on? Are you going to church on Sunday morning to a place that is working in direct opposition to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Answer that question and begin to pray about it. Father, I pray that you will minister to your people. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the word of God says to us. May we then apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. In Jesus' name. I see uh, Linda and Belaza, Belazis. I see Jason and Larry. God bless you all. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. May God richly bless you as you with me Spread this gospel and tell the world about the man that was so approved by God that God put the stamp of approval upon his ministry. And that stamp of approval was the sending of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. My Facebook friends, may God bless you richly until we have the chance to speak again. On podcast and lift him higher radio, find him as the man in the Godhead and he'll show you absolutely great and mighty things that you know not. Find him as Lord and there he will work the new covenant until every promise in him is yea and amen. May God bless you until we speak again.